was in the books. And I'm going to say something completely original and new. It's going to take off my chest for you guys. I don't like the NFL referees. I've got beef with them. I don't like them. I disagree with some of their calls. I think they slight my team in the games. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced anything similar. NFL refs, no bueno in my book. How are you guys doing? I'm not doing super yeah. great. I think this week was bullshit. I think the wind ruined everything. And like, how is the wind even real? What is wind? How does air just circulate around our planet and ruin my favorite team's football games? We're going to get into it here tonight. Mother Nature won NFL kickers at this point. If you're in fantasy scoring, probably like negative 10. Mm-hmm. For a you know an aggregate total of the league, but Jay Biz is over here. He's got a smile on his face. The Steelers fan after last week, he was down in the dumps, and we were all kind of you know dancing on his grave. He's now with a, uh, a wry smile on his face, and we're the ones that are a little more upset. I could see the frustration. Davili's twiddling his fingers right now. He's adjusting his wedding ring. He thought about throwing it off, not because he's unfaithful to his wife but because his football team let him down there is no god it's weekends like this this is why there's no love lost folks in the afc north so let's get right into it actually before we get into i have a little story for you guys i was having a conversation with my daughter yesterday blake she's four years old and she is probably the one that uses our tv the most because she's always on it watching netflix watching gabby's dollhouse rainbow rangers we got the Paramount Plus free trial. We're doing the Paw Patrol, some old Dora the Explorer episodes, some old Blue's Clues. And I said, Blake, it's uh, about four o'clock. I got to watch the Browns game. Can I watch the Browns game? She's like, oh, Dad, you, why do you always watch the Browns game? And I was like, well, Blake, it's only on once a week. You watch your stuff probably too much, probably too often. So just give me these, you know, these three hours once a week. Just let me do it. And she said, oh. Can't you get the smaller TV, your other TV that's in the closet? Because we have a spare TV that we don't use that I've dragged out at times uh, after the Browns games to put Red Zone on, doing a real millennial dual screen action. And I had to explain to her, I said, Blake, this is is the big TV. I want to watch it on the big TV. And it was really, I was finding it very difficult to explain why the big TV was better. Because, you know, the way she just like, but dad, it'll be on the TV right there. It's your TV. Although the other TV is technically like my, you know, collective Shannon and my TV. But how do you guys like, do you have any advice as non-parents? How do I explain that big TVs are cool and much better? You know, that's hard because it should just be known. It should, you shouldn't have to explain. And I, mm. I know the bloke's only four, but in the same way, you should, you should just, you should just reverse it with her. Hit her with the Uno reverse and be like, well, you want it, don't you? And she'll be like, yeah. She'll be like, well, I want it too. Why wouldn't I want it? Hit her with the Blake, you take the small TV. You're the smaller person. And I don't mean that as an insult, but I mean, you're soft. True. No. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She goes as far as, she's got to be on scale, but, you know, she is under seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, she's cracking about <laughs> six five. She'll okay. be in the WNBA next year, drafted at five years old. But yeah, See, I don't true, know. We're true fans. I uh I was unable to watch my Bengals entire game this week because my mom was visiting from Ohio. I'm living in DC now. I'm at the White House lawn. And I see how this is going down. I'm like, oh my God, I got to watch the last two minutes. It's Burrow Drive. And I pull, I find a <laughs> stream on my phone, like at, like literally at the White House. Yep. And Shelby and my mom are like, why do you have to watch that right now? Like, can you just be in the moment? And I'm like, I am in the moment. Do you not see me watching this? This is living in the moment. I don't know why they don't get it, you know? Sports are the one thing that still happens live, that still is necessary to watch live. Even shows, you can kind of skirt out of it, you know, log off the internet for a few days to avoid a spoiler. But a sporting event, is is the one thing like if i miss it in the moment i can go back and watch it but it's it's just not the same so with all due respect to your wife and your mother the two very probably most important women in your life they're wrong they were wrong i I need the sports in the moment biden's house and i try to i try to be careful you know 
we were at Target. I'm watching the the London morning game on my phone while we're in Target. Maybe that's a little excessive, but you know, I had a, I had a couple of fantasy players. I I couldn't uh, I couldn't resist. 30 a.m. game, yeah. And that's on. You know, we talk about watching on the phone versus the big screen. This is a three inch TV on my phone that I'm using to watch these games, and it's still crystal clear. Like you think about what our parents watched it on. Jay Biz, has Bill Bailey told you about any of his TVs back in the day? Watching his dolphins. Yep. <clears throat> With those TVs, I also remember being a little kid. Um, and they had those like portable TVs with the antenna on them. Yes. You know, where like you could you'd too. be so lucky if you got in just the slightest bit of a TV stream when you were at your sister's, you know, cheer competition. Yes. Um, and now, you know, we're we're getting mad if our yeah, if our stream is is buffering, you know. So, well, actually, we're blessed. We're blessed. We know some people watch the streams and the streams and the the streams, but guys, we all watch our games legally. Um, so I don't know any way to access the illegal streams. If anybody, Davili, if you got a wire on you from the from the White House lawn or anything, I don't want to be incriminating ourselves yeah, here. I will. All I'll say, all I'll say is that some people do still watch those streams and perhaps I could hook you up with someone off air who could get you the link to those games. And it's definitely not me. Oh, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any, that sounds like law breaking to me, but yeah, JB is the, my dad talked about how he used to watch college football games in his college dorm. And I'm thinking his TV was maybe like five inches diagonally and it was a square and super fuzzy like you're you're relying like we were talking about more off the broadcasters and what they're saying because you can't see anything yeah. or there were some of the tvs where you had to crank them on the side like if they didn't the portable tvs that didn't have the battery you could just crank it and generate your own electricity yeah y'all yeah, just if you just if you didn't live in the same city as your team i mean you were seeing that maybe once twice a year if you were lucky exactly right. but that's why it seems like the cowboys the Steelers are such global or nationwide teams really because those were the games of the week. So, you know, when you show, they watch the Sunday night football, it's always the Steelers, you know, the steel curtain or it's the, you know, the Cowboys and the Aikman Irvin era back then saw back even before that. So yeah, it's really limited to what you could access. So anyways, I did get to watch the game on the big screen TV. I eventually convinced her that, you know, she's been watching a lot. Maybe we could watch something after the game. We did. I watched it in a very disappointed mood, though, because my Browns fell to three and two with a loss to the Chargers, 47 to 42. Now, first off, I got to say this game started at 405. That's the absolute worst time, like the 405, 430 for somebody living in Eastern Standard Time like us. It's terrible. I'm like all locked in. I got some stuff. I got the lawn mode during the day, you know, while the other games were on. But I would like to, you know, get my either get my game out of the way at where it's done at four o'clock and I can kind of move on with my evening or the Sunday night where you're kind of building, building, building all day, but at least you're able to get everything done. Four o'clock is the worst. That's like the third quarter comes around. You got to start making dinner and I'm not locked in at dinner at that point. I'm locked in on this game. So I feel like a bad husband, you know, making my wife, Hey honey, go make some dinner. I'm watching a football, you know, like a real like 1992 Tim Allen type. Yeah. As you take a drag of your cigarette with your yeah. brandy in the other hand. Yeah, brandy on ice. <laughs> exactly. And I, I tell her to take care of the baby, too, you know, and everything. And Yeah, so I, I did get to watch the game. But, yeah, those uh, – Jabez is probably the most familiar with all of us or out of all of us with yeah, the later start time because they would save the Steelers for that Romo and Nance late afternoon special. But I'm not a fan. Yeah, I've I've seen that a lot uh, growing up. I've seen the Steelers get featured in those four o'clock games. It's more fun in the sense that, like, if you just have a CBS and a Fox, you know that if your team plays at four, especially for us non-Bengals fans, like they're probably going to be on. You're probably going to see them on TV. Right nowadays, now that we're getting all the streams, it's not so bad because we're going to find it anyway. But uh, I always liked that growing up. Um, exactly. But yeah. Anyways, this game did kick off late. You know, in LA, SoFi Stadium. The Chargers came out on top 47 to 42. And what many are deeming, and me as well, I'm in this crowd, but I'm very biased, probably the game of the year in the NFL so far this season. It was super back and forth the entire, basically the entire way. 
Now, something I, I will point out very strange about this 47-42 loss in exciting fashion to the Chargers. I don't know if you guys remember the Monday night showdown between the Browns and the Ravens last year, where, you know, the infamous Lamar Jackson poop game, many deemed the most exciting game of the regular season, also finished Ravens 47, Browns 42. So maybe it's something about those numbers, 47-42. It's not going well for the Browns. But I thought they were going to win this game. And really, I was surprised they were in the situation they were in because they were missing three tackles by the end of the game. They had already been missing Jed Wills. He was out. Chris Hubbard, the kind of like swing tackle, was out. They were starting a rookie uh, or second-year guy, Blake Hans. And then Jack Conklin went on on the right side. So they brought in James Hudson, a rookie, to play tackle there. And against Joey Bosa and that Chargers defense, they really kind of held their own. But they were missing two corners. Denzel Ward went out early. Greg Newsom was out. Greedy Williams went out at one point. So those final drives that the Chargers were doing were going against A.J. Green, the Browns' A.J. Green, a cornerback, probably less uh, of a star-studded career than the Lightning now less well known. Yeah, now than the uh, Cardinals' wide receiver. But it, no Jadavian Clowney, and they still had every situation to win this game. But it was almost like looking in a mirror watching this because the Chargers play a lot like the Browns do, at least philosophically. They don't lean heavily on the run game like the Browns do, but their aggressiveness on fourth downs and like in the red zone, Brandon Staley, the, the Chargers head coach went for it on fourth down three times. He's three for three. One of them was a fourth and two on his own 20 something yard line. And I think the third quarter, I have never seen that before. Like where a coach is so confident in his team that he just goes for it on his own. Tw- it was like his own 25 midway through the third quarter. I saw the Bengals do it week one and they blew it and it almost lost <laughs> them the game. Did they do it that close to the end zone? It wasn't like midfield. It, was, it, it wasn't on the 20. It was in all seriousness. I was on like, I'd have to go back and look, but it was on like the 30. It was on like the 29. Wow. Or the 30. It was very far back. According to, the, I guess, the analytics and Brandon Staley, it works because mm-hmm. they, they did it. They went, for a fourth and seven when they're around like the 20 yard line would have been like a field goal for them when they, they got it. Meanwhile, the Browns were three of 13 on third down. And then one of three on fourth down, one of them did end up in their, their Kareem hunt touchdown, their first touchdown of the game. But David and Joku had a huge game for the Browns, a long touchdown, Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt both went off. Chubb had a 52 yard touchdown run. Mike Williams for the chargers had two, what felt like 90 yard touchdowns, even though there's 70 something, he probably could have had, you know, 300 yards. And I wouldn't have, you know, looked twice at that stat because he was wide open both times, busted coverage, kind of a result of the not a lot of chemistry in the defensive backfield there. So yeah, the Browns lose a tough one. It really stinks to see these games. Cause like, I love watching. This is so much better than a game last week where they won over the Vikings 14, seven. You know, they don't get the win, but I come away from it being like, oh, that was a good game to watch. Whereas the other one was just kind of stressful. And obviously, I hope this loss doesn't come back to bite us. But yeah, a loss is a loss. A win is a win. But regardless, an enjoyable experience as a football fan and a fan of my team that used to suck and would never even have a chance at being in these games. Do you guys get a chance to watch it at all? I saw a highlight. I haven't seen the full game. I need to get on YouTube and watch, but I did see like straight out highlights. Yeah. Mike Williams, not to rub salt in the wound, but he's been underrated for a long time. That dude, yes. is, he's a fantastic wide receiver. He kind of started his career off pretty slowly, but uh, yeah. he's definitely come along and started to live up to his potential. I did see a lot of that, a lot of that game, Corey. I saw a good chunk of it. I had a red zone on in the afternoon segment. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, thought, I really thought the Browns had a chance to – you know, the Chargers came back from that early deficit and then the Browns took the lead. And again, I really, at that point thought the Browns were going to win. And I was yeah. you know, kind of shocked. And then yeah, Justin Herbert just really uh, coming into his own for real, like right before our say, eyes, that's best, best performance him, of his career. I'm going to say about him, the same thing. Another certain broadcaster says about another longtime NFL veteran and a Justin Herbert. Is a bad man. Bad man. I think so. He I is. think so too. CJ Biz, you said they thought the, the Browns were gonna were gonna pull away with it. 
And I thought the same too, because they really like for the bulk of the game seemed unstoppable relatively on offense. They punted, I think, three times. So one of the times when the Browns had to punt was at the very end of the game when they could have, if they had gotten a couple first downs, iced the game. They're up 42 to 41 after the Chargers had missed an extra point, but they weren't able to do that. And, you know, that's one of their three punts of the game, give it right back. And then they end up being in a situation where they have to help Austin Eckler into the end zone to save time and their ensuing drive to get a touchdown to win the game. They got, you know, around midfield and took a few shots that did not, uh, not pan out for them. I will say though, I talk about the refs. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this game. It's what I will remember is there was a, one of the fourth down conversions for the chargers. I think it was a fourth and four where they bombed it downfield to Mike Williams. And there is a flag thrown on AJ green again, of the Browns for defensive pass interference. Now they show the replay and Mike Williams, while they're, I don't know how he does this. First of all, he must've been grabbing the Jersey to begin with, but as they're in the air, you see him clearly tugging at AJ green's Jersey. And yeah, like green contacted him a little bit too, but like, who's the more egregious foul on it's Mike Williams. He's pulling the Jersey. It's, it's clear as day. It reminded me a lot of kind of what James Harden does in the NBA where he, you know, he'll reach his arm through the defender's arms to, Like, technically, it's a foul, but, like, who's initiating the contact here? This wasn't even that. It was blatantly Mike Williams grabbing the jersey of A.J. Green, and then they get an automatic first down at the spot of the ball. They ended up getting a touchdown. That could have been a turnover on downs. It should have been a turnover on downs. That flipped the game. And, yeah, you can't blame the game on the officials. Oh, as fans, we can absolutely blame the game on the officials. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I did last week with the exactly. game with that block kick. I mean, exactly. And in the I same situation, because I mean, it totally changed the game. Totally changes the game. And you don't want to say, like, it seems so illogical that, like, oh, this one play changed the game, but that absolutely changed the game. The Steelers game last week, the Browns game this week. And I'm sure, Davila, you're going to be screwed. I mean, you've been screwed by it in the past, but maybe not this season. It's going to come. Your turn's going to come. Oh, yeah. And I did see that call, by the way. That was rough, man. Mike, Mike <laughs> Williams, like, it, it was weird. It's almost impressive how he did it. But, yeah, that exactly. was offensive pass interference all the way. And it's, it's weird. It's weird that they didn't call that. But the worst thing or the best thing the Browns could hope for now is, you know, a nice letter from the league saying, oops, sorry. But nothing ever comes of those. So that's some bullshit. Hey, before we get into any new games, I do want to say one thing. So I, I feel like around this point in the podcast every week, I interject a random debate topic. And I'm going to do it here real quick. Okay. Um, Davili's debates. I don't – debates with Davili. They just get inserted in. So I don't know if you guys remember, but around this time, two years ago, Tua was the clear favorite to be drafted first overall because they were saying like, oh, the Bengals might have the first old pick. It might be the Dolphins. It might be the Giants. And I remember at this point in the season, we were like fully sin. They were calling the Bengals Dolphins game at the very end of the season. It was the last game of the year. They were calling it the Tua Bowl. They were going to like these for Tua. tank. Whoever loses that that game is going to get Tua. Now I don't want to get into the whole debate of who's better, Burrow or Herbert or Herbert, however you want to <laughs> say it. But those two dudes are just their careers are skyrocketing. Do you think the Dolphins are just kicking themselves right now? I mean, how are they to know? How are they going to know that he would have got hurt? How are they going to know the talent may or may not be there? Injuries, who who can predict that? But do you think they're just like, at this point, week week five or week six of this season, they're just like, shit. Like, we so, oh, we missed out. Do you think that's going on with their front office? 100%. Yeah, I think it is. 100%. <laughs> Although Tua was far and away, like you said, the, he was the number one guy. He peaked he this. Number one, yeah. But this, this was before the whole Joe Burrow taking over the NCAA thing happened. Exactly. And Tua kind of peaked almost his freshman year at Bama when he had yeah. the walk-off national championship touchdown, which was actually to Devontae Smith. Yes. Who so I think same he... spot on the field where he caught his first NFL touchdown. Oh, wow. So I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. Like at the same stadium on the same spot of the field. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive it's true. Anecdote. It's a peak too early. It was like Dwight Howard. Like <laughs> he just fizzled out. Like, yeah. And I've listened to a little bit of talk about Herbert and they almost say like, nobody really knew a lot about him because he wasn't being used probably to his fullest potential at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, I don't watch a lot of Oregon football. I, I don't stay up that late anymore. So I, I'm not exactly, you know, yeah. pin, <laughs> you know, locked into what they're doing over there, but they said they really just didn't use him as well as 
he could have been used. And now we see the chargers like doing everything. He ran for a touchdown. He can run. And he's got that silent leadership that, that he's definitely a he does. one that'll be like at the chargers or starting somewhere else for years to come. Whereas Tua, we don't even know. We don't even know if he's a starter yet. And that's sad. I feel bad for him, but uh, yeah. Oh, this is rough. I, Miami's got to be just pissed at how that turned out. <laughs> exactly. Could have had Burrow. Could have mm-hmm. waited a couple of years. Even at this point, we, you know, we say Trevor Lawrence, you know, hasn't shown us anything yet, but he was the same kind of situation. He, he is improving. And I think Zach Wilson has shown some, some traits of a good starting quarterback in the NFL too. I mean, yeah. it's early and they're just making a lot of mistakes though. They could have told you his like two years before he was the first right. pick. Like, oh yeah, two years from now, Trevor Lawrence is going one overall. And sure as shit, he did. And I think uh, next in that line, it may be, I think it's going to be, uh, if we cl- time it out correctly, maybe five or six years at this point. But Arch Manning, already the number one pick. So good luck to Arch Manning in your NFL career. Let's it really doesn't matter where you go to college, honestly. He could go to, you know, Appalachian State and dominate yeah. still. Not that that's a bad football program, but you guys get what I'm saying here. He doesn't need to even go to Ole Miss or Alabama or Tennessee okay. or wherever he's going to go. You heard it here first with the first pick in the 2027 NFL draft, the London Jaguars select. Yes. Yes. The London Jaguars. (laughs) Love to see it. But yeah, speaking of uh, the Browns game, that, that missed extra point gave the Browns the opportunity to ice the game. That was one of two missed extra points by the chargers in that one. The Browns nailed all their kicks. Unfortunately, Davili, our boy, Evan McPherson can't say the same. He had uh, two opportunities to win the game himself after Mason Crosby had three opportunities, I think four at the very end, but missed three of his own opportunities to win the game. So overall, you said, you know, you were watching it at the White House. Big problems there. Maybe the FBI was looking to see who, what domain you were on. I'm sure you yeah, were on I the was, official. I my hand over my phone so I couldn't see my streams. Yes, but... <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Yes. Or it was the guy next to me was watching the Bengals game. It was the guy I mean, next to me. My, my, I mean, my spectrum cable stream on my yes. quick summary. Bengals actually looked good at first. They came out, they scored first. Nice dump off to Samaj P. Rhyme. Um, Packers get it back, though. It, here's my thing, and I won't go play for play, drive for drive for my summary of this game, but it was back and forth the whole game. I used to think that Devontae Adams' career was just circumstance. It had to do with Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback. But now I'm starting to really think, like, he really might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. That dude is a freak, and he shredded our defense. Our secondary Mm -hmm. had extremely high PFF grades this week. Like, their coverage was good. He was just better, and that's all there is to it. It's one of those losses you almost can't get too mad about. But uh, long story short, a lot of back and forth. Mason Crosby mixes an extra point early, which makes you think, oh, what's, what's going on with him? Something's in his head. Um, I think by the end, he missed four kicks. Evan McPherson missed two. One of them was a 57-yarder straight into the wind, which hit the flag of the upright. Um, I feel bad for him. He's getting slammed on national media right now. Fox News, CNN, they're all making fun of him for celebrating, thinking he made the look like I feel bad for him. The dude had to, like, delete his Twitter and stuff because he was getting slammed so bad. But um, whatever. Anyway, long story short, Bengals tie it up with two-minute drill. Joe Burrow drives us down, scores a touchdown. T. Higgins gets the two-point conversion. We go to overtime. Um, and I believe Evan missed a kick. Mason, no, Joe Burrow throws the interception. Mason Crosby misses a field goal. Evan McPherson mm-hmm. misses a field goal. Off the up, right? Yep. Yep. Mason Crosby then makes a field goal. But uh, three missed field goals and a missed extra point for Crosby. Two missed field goals for McPherson. No one could kick yesterday. The win was a disaster. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. I'm upset. I think it's one of those games that we really could have won. It's one of those things where it was a game of inches. Like if he had, if Evan had kicked one of those field goals, just a foot to the left, who would have won the game. We'd be four and one right now, but I will say this boys, um, just to kind of sum everything up. I feel the way you felt Corey a little bit ago when you said it was just fun to see us in that game because, uh, this was green Bay. We should have been the Green Bay Packers yesterday. And I can't believe I'm saying that because, in the past, when the Bengals play teams like the Packers, the Chiefs, the Patriots, um, the Baltimore Ravens in our own division, this is two years ago and last year, the past two seasons, this is a game we would have lost 38 to three. Yeah. So it was really fun to see us 
lose on a game-winning kick, twenty-five <laughs> to twenty-two. As as fun as a loss can be, that was it. And yes. that's uh, that's my that's my rant. Again, good game from a neutral perspective. Now the McPherson's first miss, I think, was like towards the end of regulation. It was that fifty-seven yes. yarder. That's the one that bounced off that, the that right hit off the upright. That he definitely had the leg for it, just like you yes. said, a foot too far to the right. And then the other one, I think it was a 49-yarder. Was yeah. it that he, he kicked an overtime? He kicked that so far. Like That's what that I'm saying. This dude. Literally over top of the upright, which is like 15, yeah. 20 yards in itself. So he he was probably – that's like a 65, almost 70-yard kick. It hit the flag, which I've never seen in the NFL. Like, oh. you know, those two little weird ribbon orange flags are like a foot long that hang off the top of the upright. It hit that. Yes. It's one of those things where if it had been d- dead in line with the upright and just gone over it, which I've never seen before, I wonder they what the refs would have done. Yeah. They would have had to look at each other and be like, uh, it was like, it'd be like when the replacement refs, like one of them was like touchdown. The oh, other gosh. one was like, yeah, he's down. You remember that with that Seattle Seahawks catch? They would have been, yes. it would have been like that. And I almost wish he would have done it just to see what those refs would have done. But I've seen situations like that before where it gets kicked over the uprights and the refs don't know it's almost like oh. it's a 50 50 decision there so like you know if the crowd goes crazy enough and you know mcpherson's going crazy maybe like the like, team starts celebrating yeah. <laughs> there's no way they stop it i mean we discussed the phil dawson kick that bounced in and out and they, that was a road game they thought that was over so i guess they did reverse the decision there but i think that yeah there's a chance if the wind's not blowing a little bit that day that that's in and that that's a great kick. I mean, I he has no reason to, to hang his head no. for sure. There's so. no reason for anyone to be calling for his career. He's a great, talented oh, young kicker. Rookie. And it's just he's just he had some accuracy issues yesterday, but there's I mean, he's missing 57 yarders. How am I gonna get mad at that? I used to watch Fat Randy shank 38 yarders 10 feet to the right. I can't exactly. get mad at Money Mick. Not at all. Not at all. So yes, Bengals fall 25-22. Mason Crosby, by the way, 37 years old. Kevin Stefanski, 39 years old. I think there are more gray hairs on Crosby. Oh, my God. He looks like Steve Martin. Yeah, he's looking – well, Venetary looked pretty um, aged in his last couple of years with the Colts. But Crosby, you know, the old looks good when you're, like, making all the field goals and consistent. People are like, wow, he's still doing it. Good for him. But mm-hmm. then you miss in a game like this. And, yes, he has cachet. <laughs> being Mason Crosby, like being there for his entire career. But, you know, you take your helmet off and you're all gray and like you look like more of an assistant coach than a player on the sideline. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the best. Speaking of players that look awesome on the sideline, Clark Harris, the Bengals long snapper. He's our hidden gem. Oh, my goodness. I didn't I had never seen him with his helmet off like that before. And he's got the whole impressive handlebar mustache he looks like corky miller yes (laughs) except his hair is even longer than corky miller's hair was yeah yeah me and my brother have been joking for at least two or three years now about getting kevin huber and clark harris jerseys yes because they've both been there for like 10 11 years at this point yep there's There's actually a very interesting article it's it's an older one but it it was on espn.com google it listeners if you got time but it's it's and an, an interview uh, with Clark Harris about how to anonymously make millions of dollars in the NFL. He's been a long snapper for 10 years, making a couple million a year, and no one knows who he is. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know Ryan Pontbriand was the jersey to get for Browns fans for a little bit. He's like Pro Bowl long snapper. Yeah, these long snappers, that dude, that's Clark the Harris. greatest gig in football. Yeah, Clark Harris did make himself into a meme, though. He got memed by the internet saying he looked like that dude from Office Space, the two chicks at the same time man like that guy <laughs> our friends over at voice of the jungle tyler tweeted that clark harris got a little response there with that meme so he said he thinks he's made it in life now if he's i saw he read i saw he commented to him that was real cool yeah so congratulations clark harris not quite our king of the north that's coming in a victorious game for jay biz's steelers coming up next they, they're off the schneid two and three jay biz a happy man again because his Steelers best the Broncos 27 to 19. Jabez, how's it feel to not be the laughing stock of this show for at least one more week? I mean, I wouldn't call myself the laughing stock. No, that was so harsh. <laughs> but it's now, true. You know, we've enjoyed a long, long tenure as the uh, 
as the top dogs of the division. And, uh, you know, this week we came out and we, we played well. We had Big Ben was tough playing through injuries. You know, I feel like that's the staple of his career. Uh, he had a hip injury coming in. He had a left pectoral injury. You know, he hit his hand during the game on a helmet. He was uncomfortable. You know, he got hit the one time the strip sack. You could see it out there. But he he got real tough for a 39-year-old. Our O-line stepped up big time, giving him time to throw the football, find an open receiver down the field. They created a running game for us. Chase Claypool had a monster game, oh, monster yeah. game. Especially after being hurt last week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he had a monster game. It was awesome to see. It was great. Now, unfortunately, we did lose Juju Smith-Schuster to injury, and it does sound like he is going to miss the remainder of the season. Yeah. That was the unfortunate thing about today, was finding that out. Uh, so we're just going to have to play better. It's going to give James Washington more reps. You know, some other guys, Ray Ray McLeod. So they're just going to have to step up also. Najee Harris, though. 122 rushing yards off 23 carries. Our first 100-yard rusher since our, you know, playing the Browns in October of last year. So, it, I mean, it looked great. He ran the ball very well. Um, he was punishing. He found holes. He was, you know, he was elusive. He was quick. I mean, it was it was awesome to see. You know, Jabez, some might say that 122-yard uh, performance on the ground from Najee Harris might earn him our King of the North. The king in the north. Wouldn't you agree? Some might say it, and I think I think we're all gonna say it here. You know, it's it was a statement. It was a statement thing. Seeing him run that much, I mean, that's the Steelers' identity that they that they are trying to achieve is what we saw yesterday in that game. You know, they didn't have to come out and throw 400 yards and put up 40 points. Um, they didn't need to do that. You know, they played a good Broncos team. You know, I'm not sitting back like the Broncos are the best thing since sliced bread, but they're also not a walkover team. You know, they have a good defense. They have a quarterback who's typically pretty safe with the football and doesn't turn the ball over much. They have an excellent running game. You know, we did really well at containing them. James Pierre filled in for Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton was out with a groin injury. Yep. James Pierre filled in, you know, had a couple of plays he could have made better. Um, he dropped an interception on the last drive that would have sealed the game initially. And then on that fourth and goal, after that, you know, he had the game, game-winning interception. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was good to see our, you know, our guys step up on defense. We were getting constant pressure on the Broncos, you know, on, the, on Teddy Bridgewater. Made it difficult for him back there all day. TJ Watt was back and healthy. Uh, Devin Bush played well. He went out, was a little banged up. Uh, doesn't look like anything too serious, but we played a much better game. Something interesting that I'll say happened. It's something I've honestly never seen called. Okay. So we lined up to kick a field goal. I think it was fourth quarter, uh, getting pretty late in the game. We lined up to kick a field goal. We kick it. We make it. It was like a 51-yarder. Awesome kick. Well, there's a penalty flag, and I can see based on what Boz is saying, I can tell he's, you know, saying it's, it's, it's on the defense. And it was like fourth and 11, 12, 10, you know, it was fourth and long. So I'm sitting here thinking, well, whatever the penalty is, like we're going to decline it and take the points, right, because it's still going to be fourth down. No, personal foul gave us 15 yards and a first down. So we declined the kick. You know, we accepted the penalty, took away the points. We ended up scoring a touchdown that drive to Claypool. But they called it on the Broncos for leveraging, mm. right? And so what like they said was that he used like an offensive lineman to get up in the air and over to try and block the kick. Now, apparently you can't do that. What I was about to say, I thought I've seen so many people the, do that. The reason why I think this is interesting is because later in the game, I saw the Broncos do it again when we were kicking a field goal towards the end. Like I saw what I thought was the same thing. And, you know, obviously nothing got called, but it just, you know, made me wonder. I was like, I wonder how many plays were maybe this hasn't happened, but we thought it was happening. Right. Because they made it sound like this is a super dangerous play. Like it doesn't happen a lot, but. I'm not I, don't know. Um, I have seen it. I've seen leveraging. that called before. Huh. I you don't, can contact them. You I don't can go when. over and contact guys. But the thing is, they said he actually like leveraged Pushed himself off. up in the air off of them. Yeah. Right. And you can, you can jump over and contact guys. Like that's yes. fine. But they're saying he actually got on top 
And he did. I was watching it, and he did do that. I remember, J-Biz, when they first introduced that rule, there was something that happened the very next season where I think it was Jamie Collins on the Patriots because he just jumped over the long snapper. Teams had just adjusted to the rule and, like, had not really put anybody to block somebody that might be trying to get over the long snapper because they thought, oh, well, no one's coming through here. So he was able to just hurdle the long snapper and block a kick like what like he could have just picked the kick off the ground honestly whenever he did it so that was uh that was maybe like at this point seven years ago or so but yeah not called probably as often as it should because i think it happens a lot like the long snapper has their head bent over and there's those big guys just trying to get their arms up you think somebody is like even inadvertently pushing down on the long snapper they made a good point. It is dangerous. Um, and plus it's really costly. Like long snappers, again, like you said, it's a coveted position. They only play that job because they can't get, you know, they can't risk them getting hurt or anything right. at all. So I get why it's in place. It was just, you know, struck me. I thought it was interesting. And, you know, obviously I wasn't mad. We benefited from it, but thought it was interesting. Yes. Congratulations on the win. J-Biz. Congratulations, Najee Harris. They, I saw a lot of uh, comparisons to the beginning of his career to the beginning of Le'Veon Bell's career as a Steeler. And it honestly looks like Harris is probably going to be even better if he keeps at this, uh, you know, the current rate. I think so. I said that last week. Give me credit. Cause I did. I said, I was like, Pittsburgh's got their running back for the next five to 10 years. If they play their cards, right. They do with him. He's exactly. a free. Hopefully this one doesn't, yeah. uh, you know, hold down on his contract and sit out for a year, but, mm-hmm. and then watch his career fall apart to where he's taking third string reps for the Ravens. But right. alas, alas. Hey, in all seriousness, Jay biz, not, I hope this isn't a touchy subject, but do you think we've seen the last of Juju in a Pittsburgh uniform? It's very Maybe. possible. He's he about to go to the one-year right? deal. Yeah. I heard that he was going to uh, the the Chiefs had interest in signing him. So mm-hmm. very interesting. He stuck with us. It, it's it's possible. Now the thing I like about Juju is he plays with a lot of physicality. You know, he goes out there and blocks his butt off on plays. You know, where he's not receiving. You know, plays with a physical aspect of his game. But yeah, I mean that's it's entirely possible, especially if a guy like James Washington steps up and we're willing to pay him uh, on an extension. You know, I definitely think Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are main two receivers that we're running with. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. I will never underestimate Mike Tomlin's ability to draft a wide receiver, though. That dude gets it right every yep. time. Somebody so, in the second or third round. He will pick someone in the end, late third round that'll look great for ten years. If they stay with Pittsburgh, I've noticed a lot of guys, the second they leave Pittsburgh, their careers Doesn't shit work out. Martavis yep. Bryant, Mike Wallace, um, Wallace Coates. Remember Coates? Sammy Coates was a Brown. Sammy Coates. Yeah, he was um, a Brown. He did not do so well there. <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders. That did not really happen to him. He left yeah, Pittsburgh and is still, still great. Um, obviously. And then obviously, you know, you can say Antonio Brown had a fall apart, but he, nah, that, that man's wide receiver one. He's, He's still the best receiver on that team and one of the best in the NFL. Yeah. Might be still, crazy. He's, but he's so good. Wide receiver one on the defending Super Bowl champion. Yep. Yeah. He had a few years falling yeah. out with Ben and Tomlin and the whole Steelers. But Ben, on the other hand, you talk about these young wide receivers that they find in the second and third round. He had another dime to Deontay Johnson for a long to touchdown. Start the game. And I was saying on, on the No Love Lost Twitter page, follow us at No Love Lost NFL that I think Big Ben is good for maybe like one TD dime in like the first quarter of every game right after he gets that like painkiller injection Mm -hmm. and he's going to throw a nice dimer and then, you know, the game wears on and he'll start, you know, resorting to only check downs. Although he did have some nice throws in this game. So I got to give credit where credit is due. Big Ben still had it. This game, do you know what the difference is? It's the offensive line. It's what I've been saying. On every episode of this show all year is our offensive line. It's not Ben. It's not that Ben, yeah, he's not nearly what he used to be, obviously, but he's not washed up. It's not like he's completely done. But our, our you know, you can't have a guy like that and have an offensive line that that was playing that bad. Yeah. You can't. It's just, it's not possible, right? He can't overcome those limitations. Now, when the offensive line plays like they did yesterday, he has some more time and yeah. he play better. Yeah. Speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they bring us our dick of the week this week is a man by the name 
of Buzz Nutter. Buzz Nutter. Now, fun fact, Buzz Nutter's real name is not Buzz. His name is Madison Monroe Butter, which seems like it should be like a, an actress, Madison Monroe. But Buzz Nutter, definitely a premier name, making him a premier dick of the week. He was, fun fact for you guys, the first player drafted to the NFL out of Virginia Tech when he was drafted in the 12th round back in 1953 by Washington. 12th round. Yes, the 12th round. I didn't round. know it used to go that deep. Oh, I don't know how deep it went, but probably way too deep. But then you guys, gems like Buzz Nutter popping out for you. He played for the Colts in Baltimore from 1954 to 1960, then played for the Steelers from 61 to 64. He did make the Pro Bowl as a member of the Steelers in 1962, and he was elected to the Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame in 1985. Unfortunately, Buzz Nutter, like our... Uh, some of our other recent dicks of the week passed away at the age of 77 in 2008. So RIP to you, Buzz Nutter. We want to pay our respects to a real one. I never knew you, but reading this Wikipedia page, Buzz, I, I wish I would have. So congratulations, Buzz Nutter, number 50 and 51 throughout his career, but number one in our hearts this week as the dick of the week. Speaking of Baltimore Colts, I don't know if we technically – rope them in with the Baltimore Ravens because the Baltimore Ravens didn't really take the Browns history with them when they went over there. But I think the Colts took the Baltimore Colts history because they still claim Johnny Unitas. But alas, the Colts who have turned into the Ravens now in Baltimore are on Monday night football. So it's like Colts first Ravens. It's a little tricky here. It's Coltception. It's like inception, but with the Colts. Exactly. And this game mm -hmm. is going on right as we're discussing <laughs> this right now. The current Colts are defeating Baltimore, are winning currently over Baltimore, 22-3. to J-Biz has something to say here. Yes, he does. <laughs> I can see him leaning into the camera. What is it about your uh, Baltimore versus Colts? Yeah, so there was just a turning point to this game uh, that I'll bring up, which led to the score being what it is. Uh, so the score was 16-3. to Baltimore is driving down the field. One-yard line, Lamar Jackson fumbles. Oh my! Colts bring it back some. They go the rest of the way down on that drive and score that touchdown. Now I'm not sure what's going on with the Colts kicking game, but they went for two. I mean, make it a 21 point game. Sure, uh, they did. They threw a pick on the two point conversion. So no. Baltimore's points. about to get the ball. It's 22 to three. But yeah, that was a turning point of the game. Makes me think of the playoff game last year. Yes. Uh, Baltimore at Buffalo. Uh, I think it was 10 to three. Baltimore is about to score to tie it up with Buffalo and Lamar Jackson threw a pick six inside the red zone. Yes. Uh, final score that came was 17 to three. So I think that was the turning point of that turning point of this. I feel for Lamar Jackson. He has to do a lot in those games. It's tough. He doesn't have a lot to work with. And it's looking like Jabez. I know we mentioned last week, shout out to John Harbaugh, our King of the North last week for getting the, Ravens tied with that rushing record consecutive games with a hundred yards or more the Ravens. We are with three minutes in the third quarter. They're currently sitting at 56 yards rushing struggling to get to that hundred yard mark. They would break the Steelers record with consecutive games of a hundred yards or more. If they get it tonight, as of right now, it's looking like they may just end up tied, but you know, we're like I said to Davili in weeks past recording this a little, uh, early we may look stupid or we may look like geniuses so i'm going to say they don't get it i'm going to say also that the ravens drop to three and two which means that we again have a three-way tie hey guys it's me i'm reporting from the future where we now know that obviously the ravens were gonna of course pull this heroic comeback to win over the colts 31 to 25 in overtime of course we knew lamar jackson was going to come back and have a heroic fourth quarter well we didn't know that. We did predict correctly that the Ravens would not extend their 100 yards per game rushing record where they had tied the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most consecutive games all time. That ended in this win over the Colts, but I think the Ravens fans don't really care. They're 4-1. and one. They could easily be 1-4, and four, but alas, when we talk about three-way ties once again, strike that from the record. 
in the future, we have the all-seeing eye. We now know the Ravens won 31-25, and we honestly didn't expect it at all. But heading into week six, we got the Bengals versus the Lions. The Lions lost another heartbreaker this past weekend to the Vikings. And oh, my goodness. Can't believe Dude, I Vi- get that you're passionate. The Vikings had a kicker make a kick. Stop on the podium, bro. <laughs> hey, that's the Vikings that's, had a kicker make a kick. I can't believe it. Yes, exactly. He was shocked. <laughs> yeah, Dan Campbell crying at the podium. Dan Campbell is a weeper. And I will say, like, there's something different. Like, I, I was, you know, making fun of Urban Meyer for being so passionate. Dan Campbell's passionate seems like it a seems lot genuine. more genuine. Yeah. Then, yeah, because he he put his balls on the line, had them go for two for the win. They thought they won the game, and then they let Kirk Cousins and you know the Vikings go down the field, and Greg Joseph <laughs> comes through for the Vikings there. So yeah, the Lions zero and five is not the Jags zero and five, but they are both zero and five. So the Bengals will try to make that zero and six next Sunday, ten seventeen. Shout out to Gucci Mane. Then we have the Browns at home hosting the five and zero Arizona Cardinals. Another 405 kickoff. So shout out to me and my afternoon being completely fucked up by the NFL. So thanks, Fox. And fuck you, Fox. Rounds on that one. And then we have the Steelers on Sunday night hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And it looks like you could be hosting Geno Smith. Although Geno looked pretty all right on Thursday. So we'll see how uh if he's able to, you know, match that on Sunday night. Jabez, are you worried at all? So we will be hosting Geno Smith. I'm not as, you know, Geno Smith's a good quarterback. I think we get pressure on him. We can kind of rattle him a little bit um, just because, you know, he hasn't played as much over the last few years. I do think it's a blessing. I like Russell Wilson, but since he's been in the league, he has not missed a game due to injury. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got the longest active streak of not missing a game in the NFL. And the first game he misses is against a Steelers team that desperately needs a win to get to stay on track. Oh, uh, how convenient. Orange. Yeah, oh, great. So, Steelers, Steelers catch a break for the first time in forever. Right. God, you guys deserve it. Well, no. I mean, you guys are going to get the Raiders without John Gruden coaching them. So, I mean, I, I don't see how it's going to Yes, excellent transition, JBS. That's also the breaking news here on Monday night. Uh-huh. We'll close with this. John Gruden out as the Raiders head coach. No longer because he was a racist in 2011. And, you know, probably you know, people don't really change. So I've never he also a said a Gruden, lot of bad but... stuff about um, about his now current boss, which is Roger Goodell. We all have the feelings that we have about certain people. But, you know, that all came out. It was due to the investigation into uh, the culture at the Washington football team. Uh, yes, those were emails yep. exchanged between them and their, you know, their head of football operations at the time. And it's strange so, because it happened when he was a member of the ESPN crew. So technically yeah, he was, it was 10 years ago. He was not a coach. Yep. And it was before was, this Monday night game. I heard Schefter saying, well, you know, because it technically wasn't an NFL issue, it may not be punishable by the league. And then, you know, we're in the second quarter and we hear Gruden, no longer the coach of the Raiders, sort of how all the NFL head coaches, he is the one that is most associated with his team at this point. Cause they gave him yes. that huge 10 year deal when it was the Ve- the Raiders are moving to Vegas, it was like Gruden's Raiders. It wasn't Derek Carr's Raiders or Josh Jacobs Raiders. It was yes. John Gruden's Raiders. Dude, yeah. You're right. I said that. I said the same thing. You're exactly right. Because he was like, how do I explain this? He's a franchise coach. Like usually, yeah, you see the team rally around the franchise quarterback, the yeah. franchise running back. They did the franchise coach, which was a weird approach. Not to Ron, but no, but he is no more. Yeah, and he's not so, going to be in any Corona ads either with Tony Romo answering that phone on the beach. Yeah, clarification. They well, So basically what Gruden was, you know, what came out was an email from 2011, like you said, J.B., to the Washington football team organization talking about so, Bruce Smith, Allen. Yeah, to, to Bruce Allen, talking about DeMaury Smith, the uh, NFLPA head, basically saying, uh, referring to his lips, you know, racial epithet, that wasn't uh we'll say not pc not c and you know come on john you're you you should know better at this point you're you're in the broadcast you're one of the top broadcast guys in the nfl and 
You sent it via really email, man. That's really the comment I disagree with. I was disappointed as well with that. When I heard about the stuff about Goodell, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. No one really cared. He, If that was all it would have mm-hmm. been, I mean, yeah, the league would have looked at him and frowned. But you're right. He wasn't in the league at the time. What can they really do? Um, I don't think the Raiders would have taken action against him. But that comment, I mean, I think definitely warranted yeah. the punishment. I mean, I was surprised it took a whole day to fire him. But you're right. It was the association he has with that organization, the tie he has with them that, you know, I think yeah. they really had to sit and evaluate everything and sit down with him to figure out the best way moving forward. It's you really know, Miss Sean Gruden, that's probably the last. I mean, I can only assume that we're not going to see him coaching anymore. We're going to see him anything time. anymore. That's uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine we're going to see much of him anymore. So, nope. Yep. It's been a good run for Chucky, but. <laughs> No more grooting grinders. For no sure. more grinders. Yeah. Yeah. No more grooting, man. End of, end of an era. Exactly. But. I wonder how quickly, because I know ESPN still has on their like fantasy football the logos that are like the cartoon drawings of him. Whatever the grudenisms are, he's always saying them in these little cartoon drawings. And I wonder if like if we go on there now, They're can you gone. change your team? Right now it's on one of those grooting animations. <laughs> What's gonna happen? Hey guys, me from the future again. So when we were talking about this on Monday night, right after the Gruden firing, I actually hadn't seen the New York Times report that exposed Gruden even more so, talking about his history of misogynistic and homophobic remarks that were also in these emails, in addition to the racist remarks that he made about Demoris Smith. And let me be the first to say I am shocked that a football coach would be a misogynist and a homophobic man. A football coach out of all people? No, you can't be. But especially for the Raiders, you know, Carl Nassib comes out as the first active NFL gay player before this season. And, you know, you see this a few months later from your head coach. The Raiders had no choice. This just affirmed that, well, he's, you know, he's a bad guy in this light. He's also sparing literally no one in his insults, any kind of group women referees, women staff members, gay players. He's coming out against all of them, and that's why he is now out himself. All right, that's the last time I'll cut in here. Back to the show. He's not not going back to ESPN. He's going back to probably still his mansion, but he'll be okay. That's the funny thing about canceling people is, like, you cancel them, but, like, they're all right. No one's actually getting their like, you know, their career yeah. earnings stripped or Oh no, you made him retire as a multimillionaire. He's screwed. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> really showed him. But yeah, John Gruden deserved to be I think deserved to be fired in this case. Maybe people will say it was an overreaction, but as a leader of a locker room where in the NFL the majority of the players are black Americans. And you, you come out like and that, say yeah. this like that. It's it's not cool, man. Like we don't we don't do that anymore. So, yeah. sayonara, John Gruden, and sayonara to you guys. It's been a good one. Week five in the books. I will say also our last game of next week, Ravens taking on those Chargers. So we'll see if uh, you know they could do anything just as exciting. Maybe they end up 47, 42. Mm-hmm. Then they got us next week, and I'm gonna be there. Hey. At MT Bank Stadium hey. with the Hude crew. Yes, Davili is prepping. If you guys have any advice, if there are any Ravens fans that listen to this show and would like to either, you know, heckle yeah. him or give him advice, please slide in our DMs at No Love Lost NFL on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Just hit us up. We're here and there's no love lost. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. If you like us, well, Obviously, you do here at this point in the episode, so subscribe to us. Please leave us a review and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost NFL. Before I let you guys go today, also, we forgot to mention Joe Burrow looks like he had another catastrophic injury on the field. Yes, he got sent to the hospital with a throat contusion, but Joe was down for a while, got torpedoed on the turf. Did not look good, but he's a fighter. That's what we love to see here in the 513 Joe Burrow fighting for his team. Have a good one, y'all.